Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Learn to Mediate Online podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and this week I am checking in with my friend and colleague, Lisa Ziderman. Lisa is a renowned New York family law litigator and is managing partner at Miller Ziderman LLP. Um, as a matrimonial attorney, and by the way, she's also a CFL and certified divorce financial analyst, she regularly handles complex financial and custodial divorce matters for high net worth individuals. She's been named to Crane's New York list of notable women attorneys for 2022. She's best family law attorney for client satisfaction from the American Institute of Family Law Attorneys and has a long list of accomplishments. I mean, she's truly one of the sought after divorce litigators in New York. Um, and I wanted to check in with Lisa because I know her well enough to know that at the beginning of COVID, she wasn't that excited about the switch to a virtual world. Um, and I also know that just how busy she was as a litigator, I was interested to tune in with her two years in to find out how she feels now about um, her life as we've gone online and gone virtual. Um, so tune in, listen in, and listen to hear um, how Lisa has found the entire experience. And you're even going to get some inside tips about what New York judges are doing in the new virtual hearings and trial practice. So listen in and find out what a divorce litigator thinks about a virtual practice. So Lisa, thank you so much for joining me here today on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Susan. I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to our conversation. So am I, because I think it's really going to be enlightening for my listeners who, as you and I discussed, are usually the mediators and arbitrators and dispute resolution professionals who work with um, our litigation and our advocate uh, colleagues, but that's what you are. You are the litigator. You are an advocate. You are someone who spends a majority of her time or did in courtrooms. And so when you and I talked not long ago about what your practice looks like today, I, I was just absolutely enthralled to hear, uh, you know, just how you feel about the changes that have come about in our world. So that's what we're gonna dive into. We're gonna get a litigator's perspective of our newly virtual world. Um, so what, where I wanted to start, because I think this is you know, what many advocates and dispute resolution professionals felt at the beginning of COVID, you weren't a big fan of this whole remote work and work from home concept, were you? No, in fact, um, some of my associates and partners were much bigger fans than I, for sure. And they were trying to promote it. And I was very much a fan of everyone being in the office and getting off to court and, and seeing faces in, you know, in the office and at people's desks. So this is a very big switch for me. Yeah. And that's, it's funny because, you know, I've been an online professional for years. And when COVID hit my husband who runs um, a bigger company, he was just like, this is going to be a disaster. If I don't, if I'm not there and I don't see them and they don't see me, things aren't going to get done. And in fact, you know, that was kind of how you were feeling, right? Like if you weren't there, maybe you didn't know what everybody was doing. 
It was even more than that. I just felt like people were much more focused if they would be in the office, that there was a definite tendency to go off and perhaps be with your child for a little bit or to you know, run out for an errand or not to be as available to the clients. But what we have found is that it's quite the opposite and that people are ever more available in terms of the clients and emails and the availability to hop on a court call or to get something done in court. And the judges are more available. I'm really finding that I've changed my whole way of looking at this in a very major way. And that as someone who was really not a fan of this and in fact was against it in many ways and what came from what I'm gonna call now the old school where (laughs) everybody has to be in the office and everyone has to be at their desks and everybody should be there five days a week. I am really not thinking that that is the way to move forward, that we have in fact learned so much from these past literally two years, can you believe it, two years that we have been doing this and that we cannot move backwards. And we don't perhaps even want to. I mean, I think that's what we're finding. When you and I were, were talking about doing this episode, you mentioned your your life is, you call it the four-county life, right? So describe for people what your days were like prior to COVID. So prior to COVID, it would be actually, there would be some days that I could literally count being in four counties in a day. And I might start off in Manhattan and then work my way up to Westchester or worse yet, work my way up to Putnam and then work my way backward in terms of getting to Westchester and then circling back to Rockland or back to New York County. So it was the week, in fact, before COVID, I remember literally being in a courthouse in Manhattan and then in the courthouse in Kings County and then back in Manhattan for a trial that very same day. And it was insane you know, trying to, to make those appointments, make those conferences, travel, feeling this stress in terms of traffic that I might hit in, in between, speaking to the clients, getting, you know, to meet my partners or associates so that we could plan the, the conference or prep for the actual trial or hearing. It was insanity. And yet we did it. There's no question. We did it. And it, it, it was a very hard, and I mean hard day. And it was hard in terms of the fact that we really didn't have a place to catch our breath. Now, I'm gonna say that the days that we have now virtually are also hard. Yes. They're different. And, and it's interesting because I've really been thinking about this a lot, you know, since you and I um, spoke about doing this podcast about the pros and the cons of it and, and how it all works. But I think physically, physically, it is less wear and tear on your body. And I think from the client's point of view, it is also less expense. Yeah. I mean, if we, and then I think those are both really significant. You described, you know, what you felt your life was like, was like living on a treadmill, right? And I've, you know, as a person who practiced in Connecticut, New York for 26 years, the idea of getting into I-95 traffic, I mean, I had to do it. I, I, when I was litigating, I'd be in Stamford Court and then I'd run up to Bridgeport, then I might have to go to New Haven. That's not even close to what you were doing because I know New York traffic. Um, 
you know, and just so, so what you're dealing with is the stress of the courtroom, you know, being there, being prepared, getting there on time, then probably cooling your high heels as you sit and wait for your turn, then jumping in your car and rushing off to get to another courthouse. So there's a different kind of stress in that, um, you know, and, and you can be somewhat productive in a car. You might be able to make some phone calls, but that, but there's a limit to what you can do. Yes, hopefully, right? Because we we don't want to be doing things that we're not be supposed to be doing in our car. So you're you're a hundred percent correct. There there is a limit, and of course, you know, I would spend that time calling a client or getting ready, or the client would need to speak to me prior to jumping into court, etc. But yes, there is definitely a limitation to what you can do. And now we have organized ourselves in such a different manner so that we are way ahead of that, that situation. Yeah. But I think you're right. And I, I let, you know, here's a downside because at least as we sat in our car driving, we got a little bit of decompression, maybe. I mean, I don't know if you can call New York traffic decompression, decompression or less stressful, but we weren't on constantly. Whereas today we do tend to sit in these chairs, looking at this screen, the way we're doing right now, sort of back to back. That that's a hundred percent. And, and I was thinking just the other day that what is happening now is that we are booking ourselves or the court, frankly, is booking us literally seven hours a day, eight hours a day. So I wake up, you know, at, at seven o'clock in the morning and I start prepping for my day, which means reading memos from the day before that my associates or partners have constructed for the court appearances. I might've read them the day before. Now I'm reviewing them, et cetera. But once, you know, we do a team meeting in the morning at nine o'clock, everybody who is on my team is on faces on, on the zoom call. Now that's a big advantage. And that's an advantage because we were never all in one place because we were rushing off to different places. So now we're able to get input from all of the various people on my team. If there is a situation with a case, if there's a question about the case law, if somebody needs something you know, for a particular case or has a question, all of that is what we talk about, let's just say between 9 and 9.30. And then from 9.30 on, it may be on a particular day, one court appearance after another on the hour, which is tremendously stressful. On the other hand, very, very economical for the client who has not just spent four hours for me actually to A, travel to the courthouse, B, sit in the courthouse very often, C, sometimes sit from 9.30 in the morning through lunchtime only to come back at the end of the day and first get heard at four o'clock in the afternoon. And the client, frankly, having to have been billed for all of that because I have to sit there all day. So while it was better in some sense for me, because I am able to decompress, I mean, you know, you sat in the courtroom, you might've spoken to a colleague, you might've, you know, you had time to speak to your client. There wasn't that very um, pounding appearance after appearance, the client was paying a lot of money for that sitting. And, you know, somebody needs to think about that because now they don't have all that wait time. And the courts are really taking case 
um, cases by the hour or even in some cases by the half an hour because unfortunately the courts are, as you know, extremely overloaded and they are doing, these judges are doing the very best that they can under the circumstances which they're presented with, which is also the same hour by hour having to, to take cases. So while the good news is that the client is not paying and we are not rushing around, the other side of it is that they're not spaced out in the same way. And so we might not be grabbing that cappuccino right before that we go to the court appearance or sitting down with that chocolate chip cookie and the cappuccino <laughs> to discuss the case in a relaxing fashion with my associate or partner. We, that isn't happening anymore. So we don't have that decompression, but on the other hand, we don't have the racing around. Right. And I think that's an interesting point for those who are in court and those who are dealing with court appearances, because for professionals like me who have switched to the side of basically having a practice that I set the time, you're not entirely in charge. In fact, you told me in New York, the courts can go on your calendar and book you for appearances. I, I don't know anything about that. So tell us all about it. Basically what's happening is we get a notice of a virtual appearance and it, you know, we are accepting these virtual appearances and then they automatically will go onto our calendar. And so, you know, we, we get notice judge, you know, this judge would want, wants a conference and all of a sudden it's there. And, you know, we were getting notice at some points during the um, pandemic of half an hour because somebody had an emergency. Well, in the old days, that really couldn't happen. I mean, if I'm in Brooklyn and I need to be, for example, in New York County, there has to be some time. Or if I'm in Brooklyn and, and where should I have to be up in Rockland, there has to be some time. Now, of course, you know, there, that time isn't really there that is necessary. And so these appearances are coming onto my calendar very rapidly and with speed. And that's also because this, the, the court system is in need of these appearances with that speed and they don't have the time to really wait either. So it's, it is, and, and, you know, I will say there are different types of emergencies now, right? We always had emergencies, but now we have emergencies about vaccinations or a child is sick with COVID and what do we do? Or somebody, you know, there's so many different issues that have come up during our practice during COVID. Um, but I, I would say generally that this virtual practice has really changed our practice in so many ways. Yeah. And, and I think it's um, a significant factor that it's not just that it's changed on the side of practitioners, but it has changed for the courts. Like, I don't think judges, um, you know, I, I trained a lot of judges at the beginning of COVID how to go online, how to do their hearings and their status conferences and, and trial work online. Um, and most of the judges were nervous about it. Now I talk to judges, the same people, and they love the ability to work through a docket, to not have to call people in, the ability to get all of the, you know, as we would say, stakeholders on the screen when it's necessary. The clients can be beaming in from one location, the attorneys, if we need an expert, if we need this, if we need that. So it is in some ways streamlining things, but as you said, there's also so more problems to be dealt with and a backlog that I think built up during COVID. 
Correct. And I, and I think the other point that you mentioned, which is so important, is that clients can stream in, which means that they don't have to go out and get necessarily childcare for their children when they have to be in a court appearance. They need to make sure their children are out of earshot. But on the other side, they didn't have to worry, you know, if my appearance is at, let's say, 10 o'clock in the morning, I now need to get after school childcare because Lisa Ziderman says to me that I might be in court all day and I need to make sure that I have childcare for the afternoon as well. Or more importantly, um, or as importantly, they don't have to miss a day of work necessarily. They can literally get into a conference from a workspace so that they actually can be in the conference and be at work. Look, we represent doctors, we represent nurses, we represent people who have to be at work for the good of, of, of people's you know, health. And they can't just miss work. And so for them to actually be able to come in virtually makes a huge difference. Yeah. And, well, and, and for the clients, another benefit is you're able to much more easily and, and at much less cost bring in experts and, yes. addi and additional testimony that may bolster their case without having to go through the same level of having to pay someone to be, sit around in that courtroom hallway the same way. So there's there are many, many benefits. Uh, um, that that really sort of permeate throughout. And I'm just wondering, you know, when you described what your day looked like between the car, the counties, the four county life, what does it look like today? So today it looks like, as I said, I, I wake up in the morning and I am reading memos. First thing I have my, you know, my cappuccino now is at home, which yeah. is just perfect. And sometimes my husband will even make my cappuccino for me, which is even better. Right. And I get to see my husband in the morning, which is a very big difference. And then we, we have our team meeting and then either my court appearance or my document review for the day starts. I might be prepping for trial or prepping for a deposition or actually um, you know, taking testimony at a deposition or a trial. And, but those days where I am actually taking testimony at a deposition, those have been well prepped because I've had books delivered with exhibits, et cetera. Everyone has learned now how to put the exhibits into chats, how yes. to make sure ahead of time that everyone has the exhibits. So at least the day before, um, the exhibits actually are sent out by my office in a Dropbox. And the litigant on the other side has it as well as the attorney. The um, trial documents, if we're at trial, or have already been pre-marked or have been preloaded into a data, virtual data room for the judge. In some cases, we are not even taking direct testimony. Um, we are now actually taking testimony by affidavit in some cases on direct and then just cross-examining against those affidavits. So in other words, someone will put in all of the direct testimony, question and answer, question and answer, and then you are sub subject to cross-examination and the person will appear virtually for the cross-examination in the virtual courtroom. Very, very efficient way to do this. Yeah, I've never even heard of that. Wow, my head's a little like, wow, <laughs> but very yes. efficient. Yes, we, we uh, you know, I've done it a number of times in New York County, particularly, and it is extremely efficient because look, let's, let's be real about trial. And, and one judge, I think, said it very smartly that essentially the direct testimony, you know what your client's going to testify under direct. It's their story, right? It's their narrative. They're going to testify to their narrative. So the question really in terms of trial is the cross-examination 
of your client or the cross-examination of the other client where they, they are on their feet and having to answer questions about their direct testimony. And so it, it makes it just so much more efficient for the court to actually be able to just receive those documents in, have them pre-marked, have the affidavits go into evidence subject to evidentiary rules, and then have cross-examination. It eliminates days and days of trial. I, I mean, it's actually um, something I had never considered. And we could, I mean, this is that this is worth the price of admission to the podcast episode alone. You and I had not talked about this. And so that's that's absolutely fascinating. Hey, colleagues out there, there's something to think about, right? I don't know that other courts are doing this. I have not heard about it. And I talk to practitioners every single day. So I, I love the ability for people to be more open-minded. And this is what I've found as a result of COVID. People are more open-minded to not doing things the way we've always done them, right? right. Because, and I think lawyers, I mean, I, hey, you know, I'm 32 years as a lawyer myself, we are the most stick in the mud people I've ever met in <laughs> ever. And so when I was doing this whole online practice before COVID hit, people were like, oh, Susan, that is, that's cute. That's a cute idea. That whole virtual thing or online, Susan does something online. But since we did go online, since people have had these experiences that you're describing across the board, the majority of people find that they are not only open-minded to this virtual aspect, but to the addition of doing things differently and the addition of additional technologies. And I heard you mention like you, you upload things to Dropbox and share a Dropbox file. What other technology would you say that you've become either more comfortable with or have added to your practice since well, COVID? Well, certainly Zoom. And we are also using um, Slack now. Oh yeah, um, love my Slack. Right, so this is another form where my whole team can communicate at one time very quickly. We don't have to text, we don't have to email. It's not clogging our email boxes. And someone can ask a question, hey, you know, did you, did you see the new Child Support Standard Act language? Or did you, um, do you have any cases on relocation? It's a topic that has come up quite frequently during our, our pandemic. Um, so, all of those types of questions go through Slack and that's been fabulous. Um, we are also using a program called Asana, which tries to get a vert, basically my calendar all in one place so that we have um, all of my to-do list in, in, one, in one spot, much easier and much easier for my paralegal not to have to do that extra step of coordinating all of that. And of course, you know, email and text, all of those are, are frequently used now. Um, I would say Zoom, look, Zoom has been unbelievable. I have had consultations with clients via Zoom. Um, I call them consultations in cars. Yeah. So it's, it's like that Jerry Seinfeld um, show that I always think about where he goes out in the car with somebody yeah. and it's another star and they're having coffee in cars, I think it is, or something like that. Yeah, comedians in cars or something like yeah. that. Yeah, something like that. It was a very popular show. And now we have consultation in cars. Many people call me from their cars to have their first consultation because that's the place where they're going to have the most privacy. And so that, that is a um, probably, I would say 50% of my consults in the last two years have been people in their cars. Yeah. So a, a, another interesting, you know, uh, fact. 
Um, but essentially, I, I would say Zoom. And then there are, you know, I think other forms of Zoom teams we use. Um, we've learned how to, um, you know, put out break it, make breakout rooms so that people actually can conference during a deposition. If you need to conference with your attorney, you can go into the breakout room to do that. If you need to conference with the other side, um, for a settlement negotiation, you can be set up in breakout rooms. Those are hugely beneficial. And so essentially everything that we did in person, where we would just walk over to my other conference room, now we're doing it virtually. Yeah, a lot less wear and tear. I was saying to a friend um, the other day, because when I did uh, mediations that were those late stage, just before trial, um, I'd be there with my files all in my arms and my high heels running up and down the hallway from conference room to conference room. Exactly. And now I just click my mouse. Um, and it's much exactly. easier. I, I remember a midnight meeting and one person was so far down with his attorney. And then we were at the other side and he kept calling me to come back and forth. And I was going back and forth about the, you know, the, the famous splitting of personal property, uh, which people usually do at that very end, right? So it's midnight yeah. and we're splitting up the personal property. And I'm running with my high heels down the hallway, trying to negotiate right. the books and the, you know, the pictures, which, which of course we all end up doing at that very end. So yes, exactly. Yeah. So much easier. That personal property for the family law attorneys out there, that personal property always reminds me of the case with the Beanie Bears or the Beanie Babies in the courtroom where the couple were putting their pile of Beanie Babies one at a time, but I, exactly. I digress. Yeah. Um, exactly. And actually, I think, um, again, for family law practitioners, 100% that people are going out to their car to get some privacy because as couples are still living together in the same home, but going through a divorce, I do mediations all the time with people, uh, one who's in the house and one who's sitting out in the car. Um, yes. And I think that was, what that showed you, nobody even thinks much about that anymore, about going, getting their phone set up in the cup holder and talking to their attorney on length. Nobody, and that's, I think, another aspect to this is at the beginning of COVID, this all felt very strange to us. Exactly. Now we flip open the screen, you and I are talking. I feel like, you know, if I ran into you, you and I have never met in person. We've talked that's several right. times online, but if you and I passed each other in hallway, I'd be giving you a big hug. That's right. It's, it's a very, that that's an interesting experience because I think- in my mind, I have seen all these people in person. And that is a very different experience for me because I have really, I don't feel like I don't know everyone who I am representing. I feel like I know them intimately and I may never have seen them. And I don't even realize that I haven't seen them because sometimes I'll, you know, somebody will ask for a meeting in person. And I feel like I've known this person for the entire two years if, they, if we started right before COVID. So, or right during COVID. It, it's a very interesting experience because I do think that the Zoom has become very intimate, which, which I would not have said could have happened right prior to, to COVID. Yeah. I mean, at the beginning of COVID, I think the number one question I would get from practitioners is, well, how do you get the personal touch? Don't you lose the personal feeling? And in fact, I mean, you're now getting a window into your client's 
lives. You see their homes, you see their children, the children that we very often did never, not ever get to see their pets, their paintings on the walls. You know, I like Japanese koi fish and, and I see some beautiful landscapes behind you. So, right. Yes. You know, a lot more about people in ways that we didn't get to connect with them in the past. A hundred percent. You, you definitely can, you have an, a window into their lives which we did not have prior. So that's, that is 100%. And I think, look, let's face it, we have a window into a lot of people's lives, judges in some cases, right? The dog might might run up during during their appearance also, or we might have, you know, somebody's child running in during, because, you know, and, and it's happened during a court appearance. There are things that, again, I think people would have found very unacceptable that now are completely acceptable and, and I think in a good way, I, I think it's in a good way. You know, look, I love that my associates and my partners can see their family during the day. I, I think that is amazing. And if you would have said that to me before the pandemic, I would have said, I don't really understand that that as part of the work day. Okay, exactly. that would be my answer. Okay? Right. That's not really a work day. But now that somebody can have lunch with their child or can you know, say hello to their husband or whatever, that is part of the workday. In turn, I think that people, you know, particularly my, my associates and partners are more um, apt to answer an email after hours or even on a weekend or to take a call. And you know, there, is, there is a little bit of the day never ends and that is problematic too, because the day doesn't ever end. And I think people forget that the, there is an end of a day. But on the other hand, I think for the clients, they are getting service, frankly, that they never would have gotten had we been in you know, pre-pandemic. Because as I said, I think people are willing to go the extra mile because their days are filled with family during the day as well. Yeah, I, I, I think it's just completely changed not only our practice, but our lives. And yes. I, I really love that you see that it's you're able to provide um, a quality experience and more for your clients. And I wonder, uh, has your practice, because you're a four county attorney, but New York's a big state. Are you able to take cases that are outside where you may have taken cases in the past? So it's interesting. I, I've done a little bit of that and um, and people have requested it. A lot of people have called us from different counties and even um, places like Connecticut, for example, sure. where I'm licensed in Connecticut, but I never really appear in Connecticut. And so I always end up referring it out for the most part in Connecticut. But I, I hesitate to take cases in places that I don't, A, I'm not as familiar with the rules and the regulations in that particular county. I, I, you know, each county has its own rules and procedures and you have to be careful about going into counties that you don't really know what those rules and procedures are because I think that's a disadvantage to your client. Mm -hmm. um, I also am hesitant because we don't know when we're going to all have to appear in person. And I don't want to end up in a situation where we're in the middle of a case. And I just had a client who pleaded with us to take a case, you know, further up in the counties than I would normally go. And I, I, she said to me, it's virtual. And I said, I understand that it's virtual now. She said, I, I know it's going to be virtual. I said, no, we really don't know that it's going to be virtual. And I really think you need to get a local attorney to that area because 
if if it goes back, you're going to be, you know, paying for fees for me to travel hours to get to a county that you can just have someone who's so familiar with the county actually handle. And so I think that I'm very hesitant to do that. No, it makes perfect sense. And and you make a good point. We don't know as we sit here on what many people think is the cusp of the new normal. I mean, we've heard it a million times, but but we are. We're we're hopefully heading out of COVID two years in now, finally. And as much as we, you know, as we've unpacked here that we we love this new approach to a, a virtual practice, I do expect we're going to go back to in-person in some ways. But yes. do you think that you will re- remain, say, work from home, that you will maintain a virtual practice to a, a large extent? Yeah, so what I told um, my associates and my partners on my team is that we will be in person when we need to be in person, when it is necessary, meaning if there is a court appearance that we have to be in person for or a trial or a client wishes to meet us in person or a client wants to have a deposition in person, provided, of course, it's safe. I mean, you know, they're starting to talk about the new variant coming, right? Yep. The, the sleuth variant. So I, I literally, this was like the first time during a weekend, I let my guard down a little bit and we went out to a restaurant and then I come home and I see, oh, the sleuth variant is coming. <laughs> so, but I, I do think that for the most part, if people are not engaged in court appearances or in in-person depositions or in-person meetings with a client, they can work from home. And that is going to be what we as a, what we are going to actually proceed with. My team is going to be work from home unless they need to be in. And I, I just think that we're not moving backwards. I think we've come too far to do that. Yeah, I think we've learned, you know, one of the things that I say, COVID has been obviously a just horrific experience in so many ways that we will feel the repercussions of this pandemic for decades and centuries to come, I think. You know, society has changed, culture, our culture has changed, but there have been some silver linings and some of those things are that people are now able to spend more time with their families, that they are able to create a better client experience and a less expensive client experience um, and have a greater satisfaction with their work life. Um, it may have, we may have blurred the lines a little too much, uh, but, but, but we're learning. And that's the other thing is because it was such an immediate and all in encompassing dive into a virtual world, we have learned so much in two years. It would have taken us decades to learn um, and have the studies and, and just have gotten people to try it, right? You didn't want to I, go right. virtual. I, you would never have convinced me to do this in a million years. And we were, by the way, what was interesting about our practice is we were so set up to do it because of the fact that we had the, we have a New York City office and we also have a Westchester office. And so people who were going back and forth between the two offices always could access all of the documents. They could be in what we call the remote system, meaning that they could be in the system, our our entire computer system in either of those two places in just by logging on. So when we were when we had to switch to virtual and everybody was out, 
everybody was already working from home at different times. Either they you know, had needed a snow day or their child had an issue. And so we were always very understanding about that. And so they were already able to remote in, but then it became obviously the entire practice at one time. But I will say very proudly, we only had to add two remote systems. We're, we're basically almost 40 people in our firm. To only have to add two remote systems when everything you know, made that big switch, we were really there, ready to go. We just hadn't realized how important it all was. And, you know, the scanning of documents. Now I don't even take notes on paper. So that was one of the switches I made when we went virtual. Because um, for months I would, and, and I don't know if this happened in, in your practice, but I would say in April, May, and June of 2020, people were just, they, they literally, I think, needed to get out of their marriages if they were there too long together. And yeah. so we yeah. were having consultation after consultation and I was taking notes and the way that I normally would. And then I realized this needs to just go on my iPad, needs to get sent to my office, needs to be put in my time matters. And then there is no paper to file, no, no, no looking for the piece of paper anymore. It's there. And that also made the system much more efficient. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's every little adoption of technology has, you know, I, I started with the iPad taking notes at the beginning of COVID. Now I'm actually using um, Rocketbook, which is like, I, uh, uh, I don't have it in front of me, but it's a basically an e-notebook where as I trans, it's, it's like an iPad, but it goes directly. I don't have to send it or save it or do anything. And, and, and that's a technology that came about I, during COVID, I think in response to the changing needs. And that's the other thing is new technologies are coming down the pike every day. And like you just have been talking about practitioners are open-minded to using them because we've seen what this can do. So Lisa, this has been this has been fascinating. I have to tell you that we have learned some really interesting things, and I bet there are some litigators out there who maybe haven't been taking direct testimony in affidavit form um, and submitting it, who are definitely going to be considering that, um, and so definitely some judges. But uh, wonderful tips, and I'm absolutely thrilled for you because our first podcast episode that was on my Divorce and Beyond podcast, you were in that four county life. Uh, I remember just even trying to schedule that around your crazy schedule, uh, which is still crazy, but at least yes. you're, you're coming at me from one place. Um, so I'm happy for you and, and um, really looking forward to where we all go as a profession from here. So thank you for taking the time to share your experience with my listeners. Well, thank you for having me. It was great as always. And you look, you were a, a beginner, a pioneer in <laughs> online. So congratulations to you for for getting that off the ground before people were really doing it. Yeah, well, and I'm so, it's 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 so fun now because people are excited about it like you are and, and it has changed lives. Um, and isn't that what we really want in the end is to, to be able to help people like you do every day going through a very difficult time, but also be able to improve your quality of life. And Absolutely, theirs. absolutely. So, thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Learn to Mediate Online podcast. And I have some exciting news listeners. 
The name of the podcast is going to be changing. You don't need to do anything, but soon you will be listening to Masterclass with Woody and Susan. So as many of you know, recently, or at least in the past year and a half, I partnered with legal legend Forrest Woody Mostyn to create the Mostyn Guthrie Academy. And we do online training for mediators and collaborative professionals. And so Woody and I have decided that there's so much that happens in our trainings that we want to be able to share with practitioners that we are going to transition the Learn to Mediate Online podcast into a masterclass where both Woody and I and special guest stars are going to be visiting with you to share some of the insider tips and issues and training tips etc that we learn as we do our 40-hour training our advanced trainings our building a practice training so stay tuned because we have lots of exciting content to come in masterclass with woody and susan